Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. So when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, of course. We've all heard that expression, I'm sure, our whole lives. I know I certainly have. But in a classic case of you can't make this stuff up, I researched the origins of this saying and found a connection to our current retirement to refirement Unity of Fairfax at 65 campaign, and it gave me chills. You know, as a part of our campaign, we are focusing this Friday and Saturday on supporting individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities as part of our community, part of our community building, and part of our commitment of creating a world that works for everyone, where we honor and see the Christ within everybody. And we're looking at this particular population this time because they are often marginalized and overlooked. And it is our commitment to our integrity to look and to see the beauty and the gifts that these folks bring to the table. So anyway, we'll get more to that, to that during community news. So common wisdom attributes the saying, when life gives you lemon, make lemonades, to the 1948 classic book by Dale Carnegie entitled, Stop Worrying and Start Living. Well, it does sound like something Dale Carnegie would have said if you've studied his work. Sounds entirely like something he would say. But I often say, just as an aside, worry is the misuse of our faculty of imagination. It is. I mean, cause, come on, it hasn't happened, but you can imagine something really awful happening. We call that worry and anxiety. And then the flip side of that, the positive use, is visioning and creativity. But that's an aside. But the earliest known reference to this sort of lemon situation comes from an obituary written in 1915 for a man named Marshall Pinckney Wilder. How many of you are familiar with Wilder? I saw one hand in the back. So Wilder is an individual who we would refer to as a dwarf. However, he considered himself a very appropriate and legitimate entertainer, not a freak. So much so that when P.T. Barnum came to him and said, hey, I'd like for you to be in my circus, he said, no, thank you. I am a legitimate stage entertainer. And as a matter of fact, he was. He was an accomplished vaudeville entertainer. He authored several books. He appeared in his first motion picture in 1897. Not a lot of movies being made back then. That was 124 years ago. And upon his death, he left his children a considerable fortune. In his obituary, which was written by Albert Hubbard, this is what's written. He was a walking refutation of that dogmatic statement, mensana incorpore sano, which is Latin for a sound mind in a sound body. His was a sound mind in an unsound body. He proved the eternal paradox of things. He cashed in on his disabilities. He picked up the lemons that fate had sent him and started a lemonade stand. We don't often think of cashing in on our disabilities, but he did. 
And I love that line, he proved the eternal paradox of thing, things, because I love paradoxes. And let's look at the definition of the word paradox. It is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or, uh, or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. And I love things like that. So in Wilder's times, if you think about the turn of two centuries ago, oh my gosh, that's kind of scary. It would be a paradox to think that a, a dwarf would be able to make his fortune, fortune as an entertainer. And then I thought of another paradox at roughly the same time that the first female self-made millionaire in this country was Madam C.J. Walker, a black woman born in 1867 to formerly enslaved parents. Her, her siblings were formerly enslaved. And she was the nation's first self-made female millionaire at a time when not one single woman in this country had the right to vote. Lemons. Paradoxes. And there's one other lemonade maker I'd like to mention right now. And that's a, a girl named Alex Scott. You may have heard of Alex Scott. Because just before her first birthday, she was diagnosed with childhood cancer. And when she was four in the year 2000, she told her parents that she wanted to set up a lemonade stand in order to make money to help find a cure for cancer. On her first day on the job, she made $2,000 and birthed a movement. By the time she died when she was eight, Alex and those inspired by her had raised over a million dollars towards finding a cure for cancer. And up to now, that foundation, the Alex Scott Lemonade Foundation, has raised over $200 million for the cause of curing cancer. I mean, who would have thought that out of the mind, and I would say the heart, of a four-year-old little girl with a life-threatening illness would come such a powerful force for good. It's a paradox in my mind that leads me to two important questions. The first of which is how many times have you or I made a judgment or an evaluation about someone or something or some place only to find our initial judgment or evaluation was totally wrong? completely judged a book by its cover, had no idea of the depth of the story. And the second question, how many of us are willing or how willing are we to change our minds or our perspectives? In other words, how attached are we to the judgments and the observations and the evaluations we've made? Maybe also known as how many of us just need to be right? even if we're wrong. You know, that's a paradox. Just can't quite admit it. Here's a case in point. Let me give you somebody that you may have heard of. Uh, Jesus. So, in the Gospels, Jesus is referred to as Jesus of Nazareth 17 times. 17. Edie and 
Bob have a grandson who just turned 17. However, in the book of John, as Jesus is, as Philip is describing Jesus to Nathaniel, Nathaniel interrupts by saying, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Are you kidding me? I mean, I can just see the emojis and the, you know, the text right behind that. You know, are you kidding me? That's how it would be these days. So the question is, why would Nathaniel give such a sarcastic retort? Well, the simple fact is that back in the day, Nazareth was the sticks. And those who had haughty assessments would basically call it a no place, full of hicks and bumpkins. You might know some places like that in your mind right now. And could anybody of any importance come from a place like that? You've got to be kidding me, right? And paradoxically, someone of great importance did come from Nazareth. The proof, as they say, is in the pudding or perchance the lemonade. But really, are all lemons bad? Well, there is one that is bad, and that's the one you drive off the car lot and discover this was not my best purchase. But aside from that, these lemons are pretty darn good. The rind, the juice, the pulp, they're all used in baking and cooking, cleaning products. You can't have limoncello without a lemon. Are you kidding me? The vitamin C in lemons has medicinal purposes. However, because of their naturally occurring very high level of citric acid, they have a sour taste. You know, you take a bite in one and go, you make that sour face. You know, I wonder what would have happened if our ancestors would have taken a bite out of a lemon and put it down and say, oh, that's awful. That is just so sour. What if they had formed a judgment and said, can anything good come from this tree and cut it down and cut all down all the lemon trees and burn them? But they didn't, did they? They looked a little deeper. They got a little more creative. They found that with a little sugar and some water, it's not too bad. So rather than excluding or discounting the tree with the bright yellow fruit, they found a way to include it, to exalt it, and to ultimately make it a symbol of transformation that we are still talking about today. And never underestimate the power of a symbol. And so, yes, a typical, as a typical pattern, humans of the world have always found some way to exclude those who seem different or have a character flaw or defect, the unclean, the impure, the deformed, the yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You all know the lists of those who are in and those who are out. You probably have your own list, maybe. But this same pernicious pattern of making judgments based on appearances has sometimes gotten so bad that many of us have accepted opinions of ourselves as less than, not good enough, on account of some perceived flaw or character defect. And then we've made the fatal mistake of living our lives from the point of view of the flaw, from the vantage point that there's something wrong with me. And when that happens, our actions towards ourselves and towards others tend to express, express that same sort of shame-based perception. It has to stop. It just has to stop.
that old adage, you may have heard it, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Has never improved anything. Never. But what is needed is a change of mind. The Greek word is metanoia. A change of mind about ourselves, about others, about how we see the world and what we're willing to see. And this includes how we see our neighbors and our friends and the people we read about in the newspaper and our social media feeds. And yes, it also includes how we see those individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And if consciously changing our minds seems something that's too difficult to do, because let me tell you, I've, uh, <laughs> this thing doesn't want to change too fast, then let us all remember that there is a power and a presence within each one of us that is bigger than our limited personalities, bigger than our limited sense of self, bigger even than the facts of the day that we read about in the newspaper. In Colossians, Paul referred to it as Christ in you, the hope of glory. And in unity, it is highlighted by our second principle that infer, uh, infers and explicitly states the inherent goodness of each and every one of us. Yes, those people too, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it is still there. It is still there. So the big question for us then is how do we access, how do we live from this inherent point of goodness? How do we emulate those who rock our world by living out a paradox and proving all of our assumptions false about what is possible for men and women and children all around the world? Well, I want to reference Paul again in his letter to the Romans when he said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He's saying we are right now all holy and acceptable. Let's affirm that together. I am holy and acceptable together. I am holy and acceptable. Those are powerful words because they transcend anything you may have done or said or not done or said. They're at the core of who each and every one of us is. And not just the people in this room, those watching at home, everyone else as well. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Oh, holy Toledo, Batman. This changing our minds, this picking up a new paradigm, it is probably the greatest work we'll ever do. And we will do it our whole lives. Because, as he later says, we must remember that individually we are members of one another. We who are many are one body. And we have gifts that differ. And sometimes, for whatever reason, we haven't always valued our own gifts, let alone the ones that somebody else brings. Like individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. 
I know whenever I'm at a store, I'm out somewhere, and I see uh, one of these individuals working at their jobs or going to school, my heart just absolutely sings. All members, one another, with gifts that differ. And I think, too, how bonding and inclusive it is to know that they, too, will be able to complain about school and work just like the rest of us. Well, perhaps there's a better way to express that. Paul goes on to say, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Oh, for Pete's sake. That's easy. Do not repay evil for evil. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. He quotes from a line out of Deuteronomy. He's basically saying there's a law of cause and effect not yours to do. The law is always working. He concludes that section by saying, overcome evil with good. That's really paradoxical, isn't it? Because there's a tendency we all have to want to fight fire with fire, lash back out. But he's saying, take the high road. Love one another. Bless one another, extend hospitality and kindness, outdo one another in showing honor. Oh my gosh. I just want to get on social media, make a rant, and get into fights with people. It's okay to want to do that. You might want to think about it before you actually do it and see what good is that going to do. Might there be a better way to make lemonade? Marshall Wilder and Madam Walker and Alex Scott and countless others turned the lemons of their lives into lemonade. Jesus was considered a hick from the sticks. And Paul, who I've already quoted a couple times in this lesson, recall was the early enemy of the new Jesus movement, yet became its most well-known advocate. So perhaps we might follow in the footsteps of these giants. Perhaps we might be willing to have a change of attitude, a new way of thinking and a new way of being. You know, I saw a bumper sticker once on a car that brings this whole point home, and it said, attitudes are the real disability. And how many people, even those who by all appearances have no disabilities, are disabled by their own attitudes. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but you might know people. How many of us have adopted the ideas, I'm not good enough, you're not good enough, this is awful, you're awful, this won't work, it's too difficult? We have to stop that. It won't make anything better. And right now, we are getting inundated with a call from the universe to be lemonade makers. The world needs us to remember who we are and what we're about. And yes, as Miss Wolf explained to her students, sometimes it takes a lot of work, but that's okay. We have the spiritual faculty of strength. We can do it, and we are doing it. So here's a little bit of a homework for you. 
And I invite you to just kind of feel into this question. Do I have any attitudes that are disabilities? Do I have any attitudes that are disabilities? And am I willing to use them to make lemonade, to make life sweet, and to give myself a cool drink at the end of the day? Peace be with you. Lemonade. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.